everybody. This is Don LaGreca from the Michael K Show. When it comes to talking sports, Bob Walters and Brett Grasso are the authority. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Locked Up Sports, and it starts now. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Here we go. From the Brian Gunzel Studios, I'm Bob Walters. This is Locked Up Sports. We got a big one for you here today. Could Tommy DeVito compete for the Giants starting job next year? It's reportedly down to the Mets, Yankees, or Dodgers for the Yamamoto sweepstakes. Who will we pick? When will we know? And we speak with former Mets manager Mickey Callaway right here on Locked Up Sports. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. For joining, thank you for watching, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every little bit helps. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching, I'm in the Brian Gunzel Studio Sayville. Uh, Brett is not with me right now, but he's in bad shape. He's downstairs, he's resting. He will join us for the interview. It's not every day you get to speak to the Mets manager, the former Mets manager, right? So when we do, he's going to come and he's going to join us and listen. He's, 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 he's in bad shape. So he's going to be, he's putting it all out on the line. He's playing hurt and he's going to do, he's doing the right thing for the show. So you do the right thing and make sure you rate, review and subscribe. All right. <laughs> uh, last night, another, another barn burner Thursday night football courtesy of Amazon Prime. What a disaster. The, the 63 to 21 was your final. The Chargers fired their coach immediately after the game. He, he should have been fired. I mean, listen, he was going to get fired either way, right? They probably should have fired him at halftime. They fired him after the game. If this whole debacle didn't happen, he was still going to be fired at the end of the season because they're a better team than what they're putting out there. And what they're putting out there is garbage. That was non-competitive last night. Again, it's another disaster Thursday night game. Imagine being Amazon Prime. Imagine being Amazon. Paid $11 billion. And these are the games you get. You got a disinterested um, uh, Al Michaels. You got Kirk Herbstreit who's just hanging on, trying, trying desperately to make the the broadcast interesting when it's just unwatchable every week after week after week. I mean, what a disaster! And I told you, I told you they were terrible games. They've been terrible games. They have too many windows. They play too many games. They play too many days. Okay, and again, another example of a backup quarterback that can't play. And when you have a quarterback that can't play, the game stinks. Bottom line. Okay, when you have a quarterback or quarterbacks on the field that can't play, that can't throw the ball, they're not up to the NFL level, the game stinks. It's not entertaining. That was non-competitive. It was 49 nothing at halftime. I've seen uh, blowout high school games better, more entertaining than that. 63 points. You can't give up 63 points if you're in the NFL. And, you know, good for uh, Antonio Pierce. As a Giants fan, I'm rooting for Antonio Pierce. I'm, I'm, I hope he does well. And I hope he gets the job. But that's irrelevant. That was an unwatchable game last night. And how many unwatchable games are we going to have this NFL season from across the board? Every week there's, there's multiple unwatchable games. And it, it used to not be like that. The teams are skimping out on their, on their backup quarterbacks. And you know what? To be honest with you, I don't think there's enough quarterbacks with the talent that you need to do, that you need to have to make it an entertaining game. There's not enough out there to, to fill backup quarterback spots. 
there's only 30, 30 some odd people in the world that can play NFL quarterback at a level where the game is entertaining. Let's say 37. Let's say there's 37, 38 quarterbacks in the world that can play the position to make the game entertaining. That means only five teams are going to have a, a backup quarterback that's not going to just come in and the game's going to stink. And, I mean, it's been it's been awful. Now, the, a lot of people are going to say the Giants, Tommy DeVito is one of them. One of the ones that can play. One of the 37. Listen, I love what Tommy DeVito's doing. Okay? he It, it, it gives it... We thought a couple weeks ago... There was nothing to to even think about watching with this Giants with this Giants team this season. The season was over. You didn't get you didn't need to even turn the games on. There was no reason to turn the games on. Now with Tommy DeVito, it's a little insanity type of thing going on here. There's a reason to watch the games, and it's fun. It's fun. He's played well. He played well the other night. That was a good win for the Giants, but. They got it because not because of Tommy DeVito, and he played he played well. That throw he made on the rolling, well, he was rolling out to his right in the back of the end zone. That's as good a throw as anybody in the NFL would make. But let's pump the brakes a little bit on Tommy DeVito. Let's pump the brakes here, okay? He beat the he beat the the Packers, and I know you're going to say the Packers beat the the Lions and the and the Chiefs on the road in consecutive weeks. They did. That's true, but they're not a very good team. They're very inconsistent. And Jordan Love threw the game away because he was throwing the ball to the Giants all night. He had three picks, turnovers all over the place. Tommy DeVito, he didn't throw for 375 yards, four touchdowns. He didn't make any mistakes. That, that, that's what he did. He managed the game. He's a game manager. He managed the game. And, he, and when he needed to make a good throw, he did. Now, the one on the final drive to, to the, 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 the post pattern where he was just open in between behind the safety. Listen, that that was a good throw, but that that's a throw that any NFL quarterback has to make. That's not like a. That's not like a you know you gotta. You, that's not like a oh it was a great throw. Now the one in the back of the end zone, great throw, but he can't consistently do that. And and listen, when he played, what happened when he played the Cowboys? They got the doors blown off them because the Cowboys are a good team. You can't say you can't say somebody can compete for the starting job and you're gonna go out and lose forty seven to ten or whatever it was the they lost to the Cowboys by. You can't. Now let's see him now if you really believe in him, let's see him do it against the Eagles. He's gotta play the Eagles twice now. Let's see him run the table here. They still won't make the playoffs, but let's see him run the table. Because that's another thing with the Giants. They're not making the playoffs. Stop with the, the whole they're alive. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're alive, meaning they're not mathematically eliminated. They have, I think, a 0.2% uh, chance of making the playoffs. That That's not that's not going to happen, okay? They, they need to run the table, which means beating the Eagles two more times, and get a bunch of help. They have the same record as the Bears. Do you think the Bears have a chance to make playoffs? No, you don't. The Bears have a better chance of getting the first pick than they do of making the playoffs. So... Listen, pump the brakes with Tommy DeVito, but enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. Because now you have a reason to watch the Giants. Just a, a three or four weeks ago, there was no reason to even turn them on or even care what the score was because they were just tanking and they were a bad football team. And they couldn't play. Now you got a reason to sit down and get a little get a little excited. 
But as far as going forward, Tommy DeVito, no, no. 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 If Tommy DeVito's your quarterback next year, the Giants have big problems. And to be honest with you, as fun as this is and as great as and as fun as we're all having watching it, every single win that Tommy DeVito racks up is a it gets you further away from the quarterback that you need to draft. Because this is a good quarterback draft, and it's one of the drafts where you want to be at near the top. And every win he gets, the Giants get further and further from the top of the draft. And they're now heading towards the middle of the draft. And it's the, that's the worst place you could be, is the middle of the draft. Especially in a quarterback-rich draft like we're going to have next year, and when the Giants need a quarterback, you can't run it back with Daniel Jones. You can't run it back with Tommy DeVito. Now, could Tommy DeVito be the backup? Maybe. Judging by the way backups have played this year, yeah, he could be a backup. But he can't be your starter. He's not He's not an NFL quarterback. Okay? He's not an NFL quarterback. And I know it, I, as much as I want him to be, I would love to have him be the next Brock Purdy. He's not. He's not. Okay, he didn't throw for 350 yards. Let's see, let's see. And if you think he is, prove me wrong. Have him prove me wrong and do throw throw for 300 yards against the Eagles. Go go into Philly, go in there, and beat the Eagles, and then beat them at home two weeks later. But uh, you know, there's a there's a very good chance that this fairy tale comes crashing down in the next couple weeks. Very good chance. I hope I'm wrong, but let's be real. Let's be real here. The Giants, uh, he is not the quarterback of your future. And if he is, you're in trouble. Now, what it did do is shows that Brian Dable can develop a quarterback because they, uh, Tommy DeVito's gotten progressively better each time he goes out there. He looks a little bit better. There's only so far that, that your your talent can take you, but but he does look better. Remember the first game he came in, they, they wouldn't even throw the ball. They just handed it off against the Jets. It's a world of difference now, just five or six weeks later. A world of difference. So that's what's going on with the Giants. That's the Giants report. We get to our interview now. I'm going to go down. I'm going to get Brett. We're going to call Mickey Callaway because he called us before. We were going to tape it. It was a bad connection. So he's going to run out. You had to run around and do some stuff. Now he's going to call us. We're going to have the interview now in just a minute. I'm going to run down. I'm going to get Brett. I'm going to have the interview. It's going to be a great day. Listen, we got a lot to cover with Mickey. All right, there was a, a lot that went on in 2018 and 2019 with the Mets. A lot of questions I have and problems I have too. Like, like you, you, you'll see. But anyway, stick around. This is what you've been waiting for. Here's the interview: Mickey Callaway, former manager of the New York Mets, right here on Locked Up Sports. All right, so now uh, we're joined by a special guest, but we got two special guests because Brett is back. Two herniated discs sitting in the chair. It's not every day you get to to interview. The former manager of the team you root for, wouldn't, so wouldn't miss it for the world. Uh, he played in, he played in five seasons in the big leagues from '99 to '04 with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, uh, the Angels, the Rangers. He was the Cleveland Indians pitching coach from 2013 through 17, and of course, he was the Mets manager in 2018 and 2019. Mickey Callaway is his name. Mickey, thanks for giving us a couple minutes here. Absolutely, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, now. I, like I said, I'm going to start with something. All pitchers like to talk about one thing more than their pitching, and it's the, their hitting. Now, Mickey, you, uh, you, when you made your major league debut, you made it much like Matt, uh, Steven Matz did. You uh, pitched six innings, got the win, but tell us about the best part of that game. You went two for three, 
with an RBI. Tell us about your two hits. I did. Uh, um, it, it wasn't the most impressive two hits ever, but but I'll take it, and I'll take that six sixty seven uh, lifetime batting average. But uh, so Dustin Hermanson's pitching. I haven't hit since high school, so he's throwing ninety six miles per hour, and it, I could barely see it. But um, I swung at the first pitch, my first two at bat, and literally hit a chopper into the turf there in um at the uh old expo stadium and it went about 30 feet in the air and i just kind of cruised in the first the third baseman came in grabbed the wall and threw it back to the pitcher both times so uh it wasn't that impressive but but uh i'll take it (laughs) you you legged out an infield single all right that's what you did that's right, yes. Yeah, both line, of them were the, the exact same hit both times. Line drive in the stat so, book. Line drive on the yeah, stat exactly, book. Exactly, exactly. So, um, um, now you, when you, uh, now after your, after your playing days, now during, actually during your playing days, when you were in Anaheim, you, you played for Mike Sosha, correct? And when that, they, I did. Now you played for Mike Sosha, one of the, one of the better managers of our time. You also were associated with Francona, who's an all time great. We'll get to that in a minute. But with Mike Sosha, explain to me what it was like playing for, for a guy like that. You know, someone who's a tough as nails and, and you guys went to the World Series and won, and, uh, won the World Series. Yeah, no, that was, that was a great experience. It was great to be around Mike, um, and, and our whole coaching staff that year. So we, our third base coach was Ron Rinicky. Mm-hmm. who was a, a major league manager. Bud Black was our pitching coach, who's obviously a major league manager. And Joe Madden was our bench coach. So we, we, I was around some, some pretty good managers uh, on that one staff. And then I got to, I got to play for Buck Showalter in Texas. Um, but being around Mike Sosha, you know, I, I think a, a great story to tell about that is I got traded over from Tampa Bay in the winter. And, um, you know, obviously we weren't very good when I was in Tampa Bay at that time. And, uh, to be honest with you, the Anaheim Angels weren't very good the year before. And I got traded over, went into spring training and day one of spring training, Mike Sosha is talking about winning the world series. And I was kind of looking around like, okay, well, this is kind of crazy. You know, not a very good team last year. Um, but what he did was he made our team believe. And I don't know if you remember that roster. Yeah, we had some great players, but we weren't, you know, you can't, it's hard to buy championships. And, you know, I think uh, the Mets fans saw that last year. We know all about that. We know all about that. (laughs) Yeah. So so just buying a championship uh, is tough. So what you have to do is you have to instill in your players the right work ethic, the right way to play the game, going first to third on, on a ground ball to right field, running the bases the right way, playing defense the right way. And Mike Sosha stressed all those things from day one and talked about winning a championship. And, uh, you know, we ended up doing that um, with, you know, with a, a good supporting cast of guys that, came up from AAA to help, you know, your, your, your system has to be solid from top to bottom. You're going to go through 11 starting pitchers on average in a major league season. So just going out and getting five guys you think are studs, that's not going to work. You better have some backup guys in AAA. We had John Lackey, Scott Shields. I came up and made six starts at the end. We had K-Rod down there in AAA, and we, we all played on that AAA team together and came up and contributed at the end of the season. You know, some of them got to contribute 
you know, in the actual World Series and things like that. So, um, you know, you, you have to put together a team the right way. And I can promise Mets fans, I know they're probably getting a little uh, impatient, but David Stearns is going to do that for this team. Yeah, we're losing. He's one of the. I wouldn't lose too much patience with him because he's going to do it the right way. I, I was around him in Cleveland. You know, he, he offered me a job right away after I left the Mets. This guy knows what he's doing. He's going to build a team the right way and organization the right way, which is even more important than just your major league roster because obviously injuries come into play. I mean, look what happened to Diaz. Yeah. You know, that, that hurt, hurt right out the gate. And, you know, if you can't withstand that, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, so I, okay. I believe he's going to build the right way. It would have been better happening to Diaz the year you had him, right, when you're giving up all those home yeah. runs. The <laughs> I, I know. You know, <laughs> you know I – you know, I think about that year with Diaz, and um, he had a tough go of it that year. But, but obviously, we all saw what was there. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't take him out of that closer's role because I've been around a lot of good closers that have had success. And once they get taken out of that role, you never hear from them again. You, you know, had, maybe they're just. You had him and Familia that year, too. I, I did, yes. Um, and, you know, and both of them had rough goes that year, but that's how baseball goes. You know, some relievers can be a little bit, uh, here and there sometimes, but, uh, you know, sugar, he, he's, he's, he's a very good closer, obviously. And I'm sure the Mets are going to love to have him back. Yeah. I mean, as far as relievers go, if you, for me, at least could just, cause I've, I've watched it forever. If you're not Mariana Rivera, Rivera, I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. And it, <laughs> yeah, you know, no doubt. That's pretty much how it goes. Now, uh, with Cleveland, you went to you you were the pitching coach. You had a Cy Young Award winner, Corey Kluber, one year. You went to a Game Seven, one of the great all time Game Sevens. What was it like being involved in that? I mean, you had you guys and the Cubs both with long droughts. You had uh, you guys blew a big lead in Game Seven. It, it went into extra innings. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was an all time great game. But you just happened to be on the wrong end of it. It really was. It was one of the best games I've ever been a part of, obviously, you know, being uh, on the field for Game 7 in 2002 and winning it was was pretty special. But just the game itself, um, Game 7 in 2016 was amazing. You know, we had Corey Kluber running on fumes. Mm -hmm. That is the only game he's ever pitched in the big leagues where he didn't record a strikeout because I mean, he was just worn out. We were like out three days rest. Three days rest he was pitching. Yeah. It was, and, and we were just out of pitching at that time. You know, we had a great bullpen. They came in and did a great job to keep us where we needed to be. Um, you know, that rain delay, we – we one of my favorite guys of all time, Rajai Davis, hit that game-tying home run, and then we had this – and then the momentum was back in our favor. It was – it felt so great. And then we had that uh, that rain come, and we had that little bit of a delay – and the interesting thing about that is we so when you're when you're trying to play for some type of championship the clubhouse guys are in the inside and they're covering all the lockers um so you don't spray everybody's clothes and stuff with champagne so we're tied the cubs locker room is all you know there's plastic all over the place there's plastic all over our locker room just in case one of us wins um, and when we had that rain delay, you know, usually the players go up in the clubhouses. Well, the Cubs 
went up there and they tore all the plastic down so their players didn't go up in there and see that and kind of have that, you know, psychological part uh, play in, in their mind. And we didn't do that as the Indians. Now, I, I, I don't know if that played a role, but there was something to that in my mind. I walked up there and was like, oh, man, you know, you're in the middle of a game and you see all the plastic and what could be. Yeah, it kind of it kind of throws you for a loop a little bit. Baseball players um, are very suspicious, uh, very superstitious bunch, you know. Absolutely, and I think that took a, a that maybe that hit us in a, in a way that wasn't too comfortable. They had uh, they had their 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 uh, Joe Madden got criticized profusely for a bunch of the moves he made during that game. He had his closer in who who really and he brought him back out in the ninth inning and he got you guys in order. He got got out of a jam because the second he came in. There was a double, and then Rajah Davis hit that home run, that dramatic home run, which was just crazy. Yeah. But there, there, there was all kinds of twists and turns. I was reading about it, just from remembering it now, uh, yesterday, and I was like, "Well, you know what? It's one the only one of the better games I've ever seen. Besides that, is the game because you get such unlikely heroes. The game six, the Cardinals with with freeze. Right. Absolutely. That's the only one I can think of now. So after that, you come to you come to the Mets 2018 2019. You have you're right after Terry Collins. He's a very he's a beloved manager. We you know we all love Terry Collins. He got us to a World Series. We lost. You have the the you have Degrom, Syndergaard, Mats, uh, and Harvey who was kind of tailing off yep. at that point. Tell me about uh, what it was like watching Degrom in those two seasons. Two two of perhaps the greatest seasons pitched ever in the history of the game. Absolutely. You know, I was fortunate enough to be around Corey Kluber to win two Cy Youngs and then get to go to the Mets and see um, DeGrom win two Cy Youngs. It's, it's a special thing and it's very, it's very stressful as, uh, as a coach. I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, Corey Kluber is a little bit of a robot. I don't think it bothered him much. And DeGrom is so easygoing. He seemed to handle it really well, but. I've never seen anybody pitch like DeGrom. As impressive as Corey Kluber's two Cy Youngs were, I mean, DeGrom's were, it wasn't even close. There, there was nobody on the planet pitching like him at the time, and I'd never seen anything like it on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, you know, when he's pitching and he's in the, in, in the running for the Cy Young and you kind of know it fairly early in the season – it becomes stressful as a manager. Like, you know, what do you do with this guy? How do you ever take him out of a game unless he's in his pitch count? And, you know, it's a tough thing to do. I remember taking him out in one of his Cy Young seasons after one inning, and he didn't give up a run uh, against the Phillies. I think he threw 44 pitches, and I took him out after the first, and I said, look, this is, this is for your health so you can continue to compete for a Cy Young, not to try and make you not have a Cy Young, you know, to – to put him back out there after 44 pitches in one inning wouldn't be very responsible of me, and you know it, it could lead to injuries. But uh, how did he take? It him? was stressful. Uh, he- you know he wanted he wanted to keep on pitching. Degrom always wanted to keep on pitching, and and that's a quality you always want in any of your pitchers. But uh, you know I had to convince him that that wasn't the right thing to do, and of course he was professional about it. And then he went out there and won the Cy Young anyway. Amazing. So. Uh, but watching him pitch, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, the the velocity on on all of his pitches, it's just his ability to throw any pitch in any count is what really uh, it, is, it separates him from everybody else. I think he probably had to rise to the occasion because he knew you guys weren't scoring any runs for him. 
Right? You guys, oh, you I know. Yeah. That was, uh, nobody was, ever That was, was mind-boggling. Yeah, nobody ever scores runs for him. And he, he had, his record was 10-9. and nine, And he had like a 1.6 ERA. First game he ever pitched. He was in past the seventh. And he, got, he lost one nothing. Is, is that, that's, that's insane. You know, kind of the same thing happened to Corey Kluber when I was in Cleveland. I don't know if – and, and this, this could be just in my head, but I don't know if, if the hitters stand out there in the field and watch those guys pitch and think, man, it's really hard to hit. So when they go up, they don't have any confidence or what. But we couldn't score runs for them. You know, it was unbelievable. And then it became a little bit of a thing. I think it got in guys' heads because they weren't scoring runs for them. And, you know, it's hard to, to kind of get out of that mode once it starts happening. Now, you guys started out that first year, you know, 11 and 1. Now, the Mets are always good in the beginning of the year. Okay. We know that. Yeah, they win, they yeah. win, they win yeah. opening day every year. You can take it to the bank. They're good in the beginning of the year, but you were the best. You guys were 11 and 1. You won yeah. like 13 out of 15. And then the bottom kind of fell out. Explain to us yeah. what, what kind of went, what kind of went south that season. And, and also, how, how do you bat out of order? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so, so June, it's the June thing for the Mets. They had it this year. I don't know what's going on with it. Do you guys have any idea what ju- what happens in June? Because no. if you take away our June, I think we had the best record in the National League that year. Yeah, so yeah. I, we we you know it's it's that June swoon or whatever people call it. But we had trouble in June. You know, both years I think we we kind of you know we started off hot the next year too and ended up winning eighty six games. But uh, you know those guys they they played hard the whole year. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, a it was a tough month of June for us. That's all you can really say about it. Yeah. Sometimes you just run it. You know, everybody, when people stop hitting like that, it just, it almost looks like the team's lackadaisical and they're not really trying, they, but it, they, right. it's just hard. They're just people go in the slumps at the same time. And they always know? tend to have a, a good second half, but they put themselves behind the eight ball too much and then you end up playing catch up. Um, and right, now, today absolutely. that might work where you can get into the playoffs because of the new setup, but it was a little bit different back then. So you, you were really uh, right. chasing the top in the division and it, you know, one extra spot. So it's not, not easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we were playing by, by these rules today, we would have made right. the playoffs my right. second year. Yeah. And we were, we, and we had the best, uh, second half record in the national league that year. Oh, you were playing. So w- we could have gone as deep as we wanted in the playoffs. Just you know, having I this think, conversation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that year, what we only lost, uh, we only lost three more games than Terry Collins' team that went to the championship, of the World Series that yep. year. So, you know, it, you just got to get in and then see what happens. Especially who's hottest. You know, you get in late and you're the best oh, second half team. And there's a big difference between someone like the Yankees le- uh, two years ago, who were the best first half record around, but by the time the second half came around, they were a shell of themselves. And by the time exactly. the playoffs came around, it was you know one and done. And and when and when like right. and now you guys were red hot. You just you couldn't dig yourself out of the hole that you started in the beginning of the season, but. I that 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 run was great though. I was my favorite City Field moment of all time. I was during that season. It was the the Todd Frazier three run home run against the Nationals. Yeah. It was uh, Marcus Stroman's first game pitching. Yeah. It was electric electric in the stadium. Then you had uh, Conforto yep. hit one over the the right fielder's head. It, it was it, that right there. That I mean, it's it's sad that that's the moment, but but that's my favorite City Field moment out of out of all of them right now. That that place was rocking that night. Yeah, that was one of my favorites too. I remember uh, when Todd was uh, in the hole. I talked to him, 
and I kind of walked him through this. We're going to have him. You're going to hit a homer, and and he did. Uh, you know, I, I but I say that to everybody. You're all into a while. It's good. <laughs> it was Doolittle. You guys killed Doolittle that year. Yeah, yeah, we did. We had we had some good success against him, and no matter how good he was pitching at the time. And it's a, it's like a, they, that was like eight in a row, nine in a row, thirteen out of fifteen. The the calls by by both. Uh, Gary on the, on television and by Howie on the radio yeah. were great, you know, and, and yeah. it's just, it's a, it was a great moment. Oh, and I, I was actually there with work. I was there with work people and we had like a, a thing out, out in the, like the Pepsi pick party area or whatever. And like, I'm going crazy because I'm a diehard Mets fan. And a lot of people are just there for the free beer and free hot dogs. <laughs> and I had had some of the free beer. So I was going crazy. I loved that. I had a great time. My wife gave me a hard time when I got home and everything because I came home like two hours later. So, I, so that was that was that was a great that was a great night for me. Um, yeah. Now you do, do you think you deserved a, another year? Now you got you got hired by Sandy and and you got yeah. when you got fired it was by Brody Van Wagen and I mean let's let's be real Brody Van Wagen was in over his head. Do you think do you think you deserved another year? Improved how, seeing how you improved in the second year. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I think we, we, we improved seven games my first year. We improved another nine games my second year. Those young guys were really coming along, the McNeils, the Alonzos. And, and I felt like that second half of my second year, we had um, a special thing going. The guys were really clicking, getting along. Um, you know, we, we, we were doing things the right way. You know, I think the, the turning point for us was we were playing a little bit sloppy, um, and in Arizona, instead of taking BP, we made them go out there and run the bases, you know, in front of the fans. And that, I think that was a little bit embarrassing. And, you know, we just said, hey, we've had enough of the way we're playing. we got to focus on the fundamentals. And if we're not going to play the game the right way, that's what we'll practice. Do you think and that- we went out there okay. and we did it and we played well, well from then on. You know, that's something that was tough for me to do. Uh, but you, you got to make these guys play the game the right way. And, and we started that. So yeah, I would have loved another year, but also I know I know how it works. You know, you had a new GM, he stuck with me, and he wanted his own person. And he tried, and all was obviously all that fell through. But hey, I get it. You know, it's part of the business that uh, you know you don't really like, but uh, that that's part of the game. I love coaching, managing. I love playing. It's, it's the best game of all time. Of of those young guys that you had, do you think the Mets went in the right direction holding on to the guys they held on to um, and signing? And, like, what do you think about them trying to re-sign Pete Alonso to a long-term deal, letting go of Ahmed Rosario? Um, you know, would you have kind of done the same thing, or do you think you'd be somewhat somewhat different? Getting rid of Syndergaard? Yeah. Um, Wheeler is a big one. Yeah, I, I liked Wheeler. Um, I, I knew he was going to be have some, you know, he finally started having some success. You could tell he was going to continue to do that. Um, you know, it's tough to say. I love that they held on to the young players. Hold on to your young core, compliment them with, with some other people. You know, if I was running things, I would have just had more depth. You know, I'm, I'm all about depth. Seeing the good teams, they have depth. And, and I want young athletic players that know how to play defense, know how to play the game, know how to get RBIs. Um, and, it, you know, defense matters a lot too. And I think that's the one thing that um, we kind of suffered with when I was there. We weren't great defenders, and then that took its toll. Um, you know, it's hard to say otherwise. You know, the thing about it is you can have the biggest game plan in the world like 
Stearns can go out there and have the best game plan in the world. And I see it on, you know, some of the websites, some of the fans going, I would do this, 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 this. But sometimes people don't want to come or they're not available or other teams won't trade them no matter what, you know, or they're asking something ridiculous that you can't do. So uh, you put, you have the best game plan you can and then you go and try to, to successfully do it. And sometimes you, 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 you have a lack of options. Even though it seems there's a plethora of players out there, they're just not available for, for you and what you have. Did they, I think, did I think they, that's exactly what's going on with the Mets yeah, did right they, now. Did they let you manage the, the game yourself? Did they ever, uh, you know, come down and say, "Hey, we want this going on. We want this pitcher in." Because there was there was a rumor going on while you were there that that Diaz was with that it was coming from up top that Diaz his usage was being uh, controlled by the by the front office and by the owners. Did they let you manage, or did they kind of? pull the strings from from up top you know there, there's always you know we we met out all the time about how how do we want to use these players how do we want to do this do we want diaz throwing you know more than three outs we met about that all the time and and we we'd have powwows and and uh come up with the best thing we thought was uh that was you know for the team so you know hey look I, in the end i was the manager it doesn't matter you know, who, who, uh, influenced what I had to make those decisions and, and they're my decisions. So, you know, that, that's just part of, uh, manager, you know, now, you know, if, had I had 10 years in, would I have done something different? Cause I didn't think I was going to get fired for doing it. Absolutely. But I didn't, I dealt with, uh, you know, what I had, the, the, the hand I was dealt. And uh, try to do it to the best of my of my ability. And it's a tough place. I mean, listen, here you are, years later, talking to two Mets fans, and we're picking apart certain pick, decisions yeah. you made. So, I mean, it's not an easy place to come and manage. You know, Speak, <laughs> no. Speaking of decisions, but, but he, though, David, that's, Wright. What, that's what that's what makes it so special, though. You know, I, I loved it because playing an ordinary game on an ordinary day in April at City Field is like playing a playoff game in Cleveland in October. Yep. So you get it every – I mean, it's the most important game you've ever played. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's awesome. It was great every single night. You I, know, see, I think ne- that's never, normal to us. We're like to, that to us, we, we, that's yeah. every game we've ever oh, been to is like that. So we can't imagine oh, yeah. that other places no, aren't like that. Yeah, you would have never agreed to this interview if you heard the things I called you during that season. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> hey, it, it's not like that anywhere else. Yeah. Not even the Yankees, in my opinion. No, you know they have it easy <laughs> compared to the Mets. Yeah. You know it's 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 awesome. It's, it's the best and place in the world to play. We love we love it. We love it as Mets fans. Now, did uh, do you think? Do you think uh, who do you think would make a better captain? I think it's one going to be one of these two guys going to be the next captain of the Mets. Do you think it would be a better captain, Nimmo or Alonzo? Alonzo, uh, for sure. Really? Uh, the passion, the drive. I um, mean, I, I love Nemo. Um, you know, obviously, he's a little more soft-spoken. I think you need somebody that's going to get in somebody's ass from time to time. Alonzo has the ability to do that. Not only is he an imp- imposing figure, you know, his ability to slug and do what he's done as a Met, and uh, he, he, he's, he's the right kind of guy you want, uh, you know, and I, I love the guy. He's going to so, have 500 Alonzo would be it for me. Yeah, he's gonna no have doubt, a job. No doubt, you know, he's on the pace. Absolutely. Speaking of yes, cap- speaking of captains, you were uh, you were the manager for David Wright's last game. Is that correct? 
I was, I was, now, yeah. Now, how did that play out? Because in my mind, I, I would have given him as many at bats as he got a hit on that last at bat. <laughs> did you? Did you pull yeah. him, or is it, was it all David's choice about how that all went down? Yeah, no. So you know, like anything in with the Mets, it was it was planned out. We had a we had a way we were going to do it. We wanted to make sure that we respected the game, we respected David and did what he wanted to do. So we sat down with him beforehand, and we kind of mapped it all out. We knew when we were going to take him out. Um, everybody did. Uh, and and uh, we just kind of planned it you know, the best we could for, for David and, and to kind of you know highlight his amazing, in my, my opinion, Hall of Fame career. No, no. You think he's a Hall of Famer? I, I think that uh, sometimes you have to understand why guys couldn't continue on. And you have to recognize what they did while they could. Oh, I and uh, I love David Wright, but he is not. I and mean, I'm a tough creator with Dolphin. He is not. Uh, I put him in today. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, you, yeah, you know, you sometimes, know sometimes, sometimes you have to take into account what he meant to that team and what he'll always mean to 100%. that team. In my opinion, I, what what what's your thought on this? On like uh, Bonds and A Rod and them. As a um, you, you know, were a pitcher, so yeah, I know. I had to face all those a holes when they were doing yeah. steroids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I was throwing ninety. They were hitting home runs. Maybe, run maybe that's why you're not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, six but, something uh, out of, uh, six something batting average. You belong there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it. Uh, I think that's a tough one. You know, um, um, at the time though, there wasn't. You know. There was a ton of guys doing it. I guarantee you some of those guys in the Hall of Fame did it and just didn't get, uh, you know, nobody threw them under the bus. See, I think you got um, yeah. to go case by case. Like Bonds is an uh, – Bonds absolutely. was – people people were walking Bonds with the bases loaded. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. on. I think yeah. in, in that 0-2 World Series, we walked him every time, I think, but four at-bats and he had four homers. It it's was incredible. ridiculous. Yeah, there's nobody like it. I don't care what you were taking or what you were doing. Nobody was a, yeah. nobody hit a baseball like Barry Bonds, and I don't know if anybody ever will. <laughs> yeah, no, it was crazy. No was doubt. Crazy. No doubt. Now you said you had worked with um, Buck Showalter, right? What, I what, did. Yeah. What was yeah. your what was your what was your feel of him? Because we I I don't think they should have got rid of him this year. Because who's who's better than Buck Showalter? You're not gonna find someone better than Buck Showalter. So I, I no, he, starting fresh or what? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Buck. You know, when my time in Texas there, we had – it was kind of like what the uh, Mets had the last couple of years. You know, they went all in. We had Michael Young, Juan Gonzalez, Rafael Palmero, A-Rod signing the biggest contract in history at the time. Speaking of steroids, hey, you just named three steroids, guys. <laughs> Mark, Mark Teixeira. I mean, our, we were loaded, and we were in first place for three-quarters of the year, and just we just kind of um, just kind of fell out of contention at the end and didn't even make the playoffs. Um, but, uh, you know, I love being around Buck. I, the thing I liked about Buck was the organization. Um, you know, he had countdown clocks, the first pitch and spring training, things like that. He was on top of everything. Um, you know, so I, I did enjoy being around Buck and learn and learn some stuff from him. Now, did you did you think did, did you think the Wilpons were were because as Mets fans, obviously, we think the Wilpons were cheap and they didn't go out and do everything yeah. they needed to. Did you think like would you have rather have uh, Steve Cohen as the, as the owner? Now, obviously, he might pay you more, but. Do you, do, you think, do you think it'd be better as a you know as a as a for a team to have someone like Steve Cohen 
who has bottomless pockets or the Wilpons? I don't think it matters, to, to be honest with you. I think it's who's running your organization. I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. They're spending a third of what we spent with the Wilpons, and they, they're they winning every year. Arizona just this um, year. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I think it's all about uh, who who you're acquiring. You know, I think I think the Wilpons um, got a bad rap. You know, I knew the things that were going on and then what was being said um, in the media, and they weren't very accurate. So um, I, I have a, a, you know, a special place in, in my heart for the Wilpons. They are re- very, very good people. Um, I will say that. And, and obviously they love the game of baseball, and they wanted to win more than anybody. And it's just not that easy to go out there and put a perennial winner out there. You know, the Yankees can have all the winning seasons they want, but if you're not winning championships, they're not having success either. No, you're right. You're right. And you know what? But you just got to be, at this point, you just got to be in it. You know, you just got to get in it because they, they got a bunch of teams in. And right. you got to get hot at the right that, time. That's exactly what it is now. I, I, Absolutely. Like, I think it really rewards teams uh, who have a good second half at this point as opposed to uh, teams who just, you know, it, it shows you, I, I think they're moving. I don't know how many, how far they're going to go, but I think uh, they're they're getting in the right direction. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think that they need to have a little bit better of a, um, a reward for, you know, a right. team winning 101 right. games. Better, yep. I mean, you know, I don't like the playoff system the way it is right now. Nope. The format is I, not right. I don't like a lot of rules the way they are right now. <laughs> but You don't like, do you like the pitch clock? That's a whole clock? different story. Do you like the pitch clock? I, you know, I don't mind the pitch clock because I've always tried to get my pitchers to work fast because it benefits a pitcher. And if they can do that, then they're going to pitch better. So I don't mind it from a pitching standpoint. Um, so that's, that's one rule I don't mind too much. What about the shift? Do you, do you, I, I like that there's no shift. I like that they can't put, cause I mean, that was, that, that was ridiculous. And listen, guys should have been bunting down the third base. And I listened to a press conference with you, uh, from the, the other day. For some reason, there was, uh, there was a guy, I think it was like Cabrera or something. You, they were asking you, yeah. they were drilling you, why you didn't bunt, why you didn't bunt. And you yeah. like, guys can't hit it that way. Like, if he could hit it that way, yeah. they wouldn't be shifting against him. But I like the no right. shift. Yeah, exactly. I like the no shift, too. The thing that drove me crazy with the shift is that I'm in the dugout going, bunt, bunt, all the time. <laughs> and nobody would freaking do it. That, it's, uh, it's, a free it's a free base. Nobody would take it. It's, it's a double. It's a double. Yeah. It is. Like, you'll take a walk, but you won't take a free hit. And That's no, crazy. And don't tell me they don't know how to hit it that way. They're professional athletes who have held a, ba- a baseball bat every day since they're, like, 12 <laughs> years old. They know how to manipulate a ball in that direction. Like, trust right. me. Right. The problem, the problem was, really, they couldn't hit home runs that way. Right. So they didn't want to attempt to do it. Right. That's the big thing. Now, do you think Diaz comes back this year and has and has a, a good year again, or he rebounds after that missed year? And what do you think about the WBC? Did you not want your players playing in it? I am always skeptical when a guy has to sit out a full season. Um, you know, if he's healthy this winter, it would benefit him, in my mind, to go pitch a little bit of winter ball, to get the rust off, come into spring training, you know, full bore, ready to go. And, you know, maybe there's there's some bumps at the beginning of the season. But hopefully his last couple of seasons have given have given him the confidence that no matter how long it's been, he's just going to go out there and dominate. We just lost but, one I mean, of Okay, again, again, again. Yeah, I mean, you, we've seen it in the past. He dominated over in Seattle, and he comes over to us and has he struggles for a couple of seasons. Oh, yeah. So 
you know, re- relievers are so volatile. I don't know what to think. I told you, if he's not Mariano Rivera, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Yeah, no doubt. And that just shows how great Mariano Rivera really was. Ridiculously good. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, the, no, it, and I, and I hate. I'm somebody. I don't like the. I like the Mets and anybody playing the Yankees because I lived through that dynasty. Like <laughs> my prime, prime sports years, and a lot of my friends are Yankee fans, and they don't understand why us Mets fans hate him. And I say to them, I go, listen, if if the Mets won four out of five, and they won one of them on Yankee Stadium, you would hate me because I would be <laughs> just as pompous as you are. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they think it's easy, they think it's easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, um, now you were now you had some issues. Obviously, you were reinstate. You were eligible for reinstatement last year. Are, are we yep, going to see? Yep. Are we going to see Mickey Callaway, Callaway again in a big league uniform? Yeah, I've been I've been reinstated for for about a year now. Um, I guess just over a year. Um, I am. You know, I think that everything that happened was maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise for me and my personal life here with my girls. You know, what coaching baseball and playing baseball is a little bit of a selfish life, especially when you have a family. And, you know, it is it is what it is. Um, you know, the articles that were written were not very accurate, but that's the, that's the day and the world we live in right now. Um, you know, they can write whatever they want, and you have to deal with the consequences. Um, obviously I had some relationships that I shouldn't have had. Um, they were all consensual. Um, but you know, I learned a huge lesson. I would love to, to coach again in the major league. We'll see if that happens right now. I'm enjoying my family. I'm, uh, it looks like I might head over to, um, Mexico this summer and be an assistant to the GM and, and the president and maybe get on the field a little bit in uniform and coach. And, and kind of see the, the admin part of, of baseball, which I'm excited about. Um, but uh, right now I'm enjoying, you know, life away from the game. And um, obviously it, it's deep in my heart and, and soul and, and would love to get back into it at some point. Well, you're speaking to two guys here who it's the same type of thing. Like where I work at, uh, on Rikers Island, correction officer, and I do mm-hmm. like it's like it's a toll on my family as well. I have a newborn and we do 16 hours a day every day. Yeah. So, like, I don't get to see them. And, and like you said, like, baseball is part of your life. You've been doing it, you know, since you were five years old. You've been playing baseball. But, you know, right. might as well enjoy it a little bit. But we, we'd like to see yeah, you back. We, we'd hey, love listen, to see you back. At, at least as a pitching coach. Because you're, you, you, yeah, you're yeah. excellent as a pitching coach. I appreciate you it. You had all those, those yeah, Cy thanks. Young Awards and everything. And, and, you know, with the 667 lifetime average, you could be a hitting coach. You know, you got to do Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, Mickey, thank you. Thank, thank you for you giving so us much, a couple Mickey. times. This was great. Uh, listen, anytime you want to talk to us, you let us know. You got me on Facebook, everything like that. Don't be a stranger. Oh, absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Mickey. Appreciate it. All right, fellas. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Three, two, one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mickey Calloway. Excellent job. Excellent job. Great interview. Brett has already gone downstairs because he's back. Uh, listen, he was really toughing it out up here. Excellent job by Brett. Excellent job by Mickey Calloway. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed uh, doing it for you. Uh, that's going to be it for us for tonight. Uh, I'll be back with you in a couple days for the weekend wrap-up and, and everything like that. Mark Mancini next week. Uh, once again, big, big thank you to Mickey Calloway. Thanks. Good job, Brett, coming back, playing injured, toughing it out. Way to go. 
Uh, thank you, everybody. Remember, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every little bit helps. We'll talk to you later this week, everybody. I'm Bob Walters for Brett Grasso. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.